The following program is sponsored by Bell & Pollock PC. Welcome to Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. Attorneys Gary Bell and Brad Pollock are ready to work for you. Reach Gary, Brad, and their team at championsofthepeople.com or by calling 303-795-5900. That's 303-795-5900. Y'all ready for this? The Bell and Pollock Legal Show. This is an injury show. We are injury attorneys, and we bring the show to you to help you and educate you and teach you about different injury subjects each week. We've been doing this for years, and we're glad to bring our show to KOA 8.50 a.m. We're glad to be here. We do a lot of uh, other injury shows that air on Sunday mornings and in the mountains and in a variety of stations in Denver. And we're glad to be here at KOA. So we try to give you the information so you have an equal playing field with the insurance company, once you've been injured, now you have an equal playing field with the insurance company because they're going to try to beat you, reduce your claim, pay you nothing or next to nothing, and they have various ways to do it. And believe me, they have a strategy and strategies to do that. They have their own legal game plan. You need your own strategy, your own legal game plan. For years, we have taught this. For years, we have implemented this. This is not ba based on conjecture or speculation or guessing. This is based on Brad and my over 35 years of experience representing injured victims, helping them put their lives back together again, helping their families, helping them bridge the gap, helping them navigate the insurance maze. It is a maze. And, you know, a lot of people operate under the myth that I've been injured in an accident. Surely some insurance company is going to treat me fair. Surely... Some insurance company is going to pay me. I mean, I have medical bills. I've missed time from work. I mean, I need to be paid, and they don't want to pay you. Believe me. They're not your friend. They're your enemy. We're talking about the insurance company for the at-fault party, the one who T-boned you or rear-ended you and injured you and sent you to the hospital or sent you to your PCP, and now you're in physical therapy, and you're wondering what the heck is going on. Surely somebody must pay me. So, Brad, let's talk about that just a second. You know, uh, people operate under this myth. They come into our office all the time saying that. And these insurance companies have a strategy and strategies to beat these injured victims. Oh, they've, they've, got, a, they've got a strategy that um, they teach each and every one of their, their adjusters. Their adjusters know full well that they're um, supposed to be approaching this from the very beginning to pay the least amount of money. Um, it's for both the property damage and the personal injury. They do not want to pay you. They do not want to give you any money. Um, they, they want to pay you the minimum amount. When they are forced to, into a situation, they recognize they have to pay you. Then the next question is, well, how can we minimize the amount we're going to pay you? And it's, it's a myth if you think that they want to or they're ready to or they'll just come right up and pay you. Uh, yes, they'll, sometimes they'll come right up and pay you. They're going to pay you a very low offer. They're going to pay you a very low amount, and they're going to make sure that they end out uh, with the best benefits out of the out of the car crash. And uh, they, if the only way you're going to make sure you get fairly compensated is if you know what you're doing, if you understand what your rights are, if you understand what the potential recovery is, if you understand what's available to you. And uh, the only way you're going to know that is getting to an attorney who will teach you or getting to an attorney who will do the work for you, maybe both, and getting to an attorney or, or listening to our shows and hopefully getting an understanding of what you're dealing with so you can you can protect your rights from the very beginning. 
I tell you what, uh, you need to understand, you need to know this stuff. You need to know this information. You need to be taught. That's what we do every week. We do a variety of injury shows. This is an injury show. You know, and by the way, uh, we also do a Saturday call-in show. It's on KHOW at 7 o'clock in the morning. That show we do is a community service to answer legal questions on any legal subject, and you can call that show. That's a live call-in show. You can do that. These shows are designed to teach you and educate you. you, you got to go to the very basics. When you have an accident, uh, you say it was the other person's fault. We, we've told you before in other shows previous to this one, even if you're in a rear-end accident, they tend to try to blame you for part or all of the accident. You go, what? How can that happen? And we've covered that, uh, and we've covered that uh, last week in, in, in our show. But, Brad, you have to be able to prove liability. I mean, an accident is broken down into two basic parts. Liability, who's at fault, who did something wrong, and damages. What are your injuries? How much should you be paid for your damages? We're talking about liability. And one way to prove liability is to prove what ha- happened in the accident. Look at the debris. We covered that. But another good way that we're going to talk about today on today's show is, is the at-fault driver impaired? Impaired. And there's a variety of ways they can be impaired. And so Brad and I are going to be talking about this today. You're, you can be impaired through drunk driving. You can be impaired through taking prescription drugs, and we're going to cover how you, how that works today. You can be impaired uh, on uh, taking or ingesting or smoking marijuana. And what are the laws on this? How do you use it to your advantage? So, Brad, let's cover first with everybody. You're going to try to prove liability, but if you can prove one of these uh, elements that the at-fault driver was impaired, you have extra leverage against the insurance company. In most cases, you do. Uh, I want everybody to understand. I still remember uh, an attorney that uh, does quite a bit of advertising on TV when, for impaired driving. And I talked to him one time, and he said it, it took him his first couple of cases to realize you couldn't just walk in and say the the driver was drunk. You still had to show negligence. You still had to show that he did something wrong. Now, impaired quite often helps you to determine and show why the driver uh, uh, was responsible. He shows why the res- the driver caused the crash. You're still going to have to break down the crash, but the impaired element of it is a very significant element of it for um, jurors to understand why the person might have acted the way they did, and also is very in- a significant part of it to help you to understand what was going on in the minds of the driver, and maybe this wasn't as much of a just a simple negligence, inattentive crash, but it was something where the person intentionally uh, diverted their attention from driving to some other act uh, that they were doing in their vehicle or that they'd been doing prior to getting into their vehicle. You know, uh, we talk about being impaired, and we always look for it, and every good attorney should look for it, and you should look for it if you're in an accident. Look at the outfall driver. It's Sometimes it's difficult to prove, and sometimes you can't prove it. But, you know, what difference does it make? What difference does it make in the end if you're impaired, if the at-fault driver is impaired? It, puts, it gives you extra leverage against the insurance company, who we just said, and we've tried to teach you, doesn't want to pay you anything at all anyway. They, and they're looking for reasons not to pay you. Therefore, if you give them extra incentive, and we're going to break it down in today's show why that gives them extra incentive uh, to pay you, uh, and that's what you do. And that's how you, how you use it and how you use it to your advantage, and it should be used to your advantage. So, you know, Brad, if somebody's drunk, they're impaired. If they, and we, we've done cases where the outfall driver has misused the prescription drugs um, and, and had too many prescription drugs. And as also we've done it where they are texting. That's being impaired, uh, where you're distracted in the, in the car or the vehicle, and on the accident report, there's a provision for the police officer to fill in if you are impaired, which we're going to cover the police report in another show. But uh, you might be impaired because you don't wear your glasses. 
it is important and critical to prove that they're impaired. But, Brad, let's break it down a little bit further. Why does the insurance company, what makes them move? Because they insure this person that hits you, the outfall driver. So what difference does it make if, the, if their driver, their insured, is impaired? Well, it, it's going to help them to understand that they're facing an uphill battle and that they're they're looking at uh, being being uh, starting the case with a person who is not paying attention. Uh, in every case, uh, the first thing you do in every car crash, the first thing you do is you have to prove negligence. You, you can prove a crash. That should be very simple because you've got the, the banged up vehicles. You've got the, the police report. You've got pictures of the cars being crashed, being, being beat up. So uh, you prove the crash and you can prove a lot of times. I can't say the, every time, but a lot of times, the majority of the times, you can prove where each car was coming from and where it was going. Uh, so you're able to show that. So the next thing you have to show is, did this crash happen as a result of somebody's negligence, somebody's inattentive act or inaction? They failed to do something they should have done, like stop. So they didn't, they they weren't paying attention. And um, it, who's the person that was inattentive? And a lot of times when you're trying to show they weren't paying attention, you want to be able to show here's the reason. And with this person was doing this or that or had been doing this or that. And that's why they couldn't pay attention to their driving. And when they can't pay attention to their driving, they're going to cause a crash. Eventually, you're going to cause a crash, period. Right. Sometimes you can claim punitive damages against the outfall driver, and that's your greatest leverage against the insurance company. So think of it like this. The insurance company insures the outfall driver. They have a policy. Let's say it's $300,000 of coverage for liability coverage. The insured is in an accident. The outfall driver is insured by XYZ Insurance Company. They don't want to pay any part of that $300,000. They want to look for ways to beat it and defeat it or reduce it next to nothing. So one of the ways they, they think they can win many times is if, if, the, if it's what they call just an ordinary negligence case, Brad. You somebody ran into the back of somebody, and so that's just ordinary negligence. So we, the insurance company, think we might be able to win that. But if the driver, the outfall driver they're insured was texting, for example, or is drunk, then sometimes you can request punitive damages and the insurance policy won't pay, but the insurance company is supposed to protect and defend the outfall driver. And the insurance company makes all the decisions. So if they don't protect the driver and the driver gets tagged for individual damages or individual judgment, it's a big problem. Well, the first thing the insurance company is going to tell you is, look, we don't, we don't, um, we, we don't even calculate damages based on punitive damages. We that doesn't mean anything to us because, as we'll talk about later, probably in the show, um, the punitive damages are something that the insurance company will never have to pay. Now, there are certain circumstances where the insurance company will pay more than what the, the insurance policy calls for, but punitive damages does not put them in that situation. Um, the, uh, excess verdicts do. Uh, but punitive damages do have to be considered by the insurance company it, to the extent that they're exposing their insured to their own personal assets being taken or being levied on without without the um, a, a good faith attempt by the insurance company to offer at least up to the policy limits to settle the case. Right. So, you know, next up, uh, if somebody's traveling 40 miles an hour and they're texting and they're not even looking at the road, how far are they gar- going to drive their car? How far are they going to drive their car before they look up again? How much distance is at 40 miles an hour in one second, two seconds, three seconds? That's next up. The Bell & Pollock Legal Show. This is an injury show. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock. Our law firm is Bell & Pollock. We are your champions of the people.
You're on your way to the store, then boom, you're T-boned at 45 miles per hour. Instead of shopping, you're on your way to the ER. Then comes the doctor visits, prescriptions, therapy, diagnostics, ongoing treatment, and the limitations. You have range of motion problems. Then the ultimate insult. The insurance company makes you feel like the crash was your fault. You need a legal game plan. You want a legal game plan. At Bell & Pollock, we've used over 25 years of experience to develop a legal game plan just for you. Our game plan has injury rules, rules of treatment, rules of claims, insurance company rules, litigation rules, rules they use to beat you. Now you can have them and know them and use them to protect you and your family. Our Bell & Pollock legal game plan gives you the rules the insurance company doesn't want you to have or know or use. But guess what? We do. At Bell & Pollock, success is no accident. Find us at championsofthepeople.com. That's championsofthepeople.com. Get your free initial consult and your free legal game plan. We'll help you. Hi, it's Mandy for my friends at Bell and Pollock. I know these guys, they're real. They genuinely care about their clients, and I endorse them because they do business like my dad did. If you've been injured in an accident, call them 303-795-5900. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back to the Bell and Pollock Injury Show, Champions of the People. Our website's easy to remember. It's championsofthepeople.com. Championsofthepeople.com and our telephone number, 303 303- Seven nine five five nine zero zero. That's seven nine five fifty nine hundred. If you've been injured, you can call us. When you come to see us, you get a free initial consultation, and most importantly, you get a free legal game plan, strategies tailored to you, your injuries, your accident, the mechanism of injury, how the accident happened, and just exactly what we're talking about today. How can we prove liability to maximize your chances? to recover fair and legitimate compensation from the insurance company who doesn't want to pay you anything. And they have their own strategies to do it. Okay, right before the break, we were talking about if you're going 40 miles an hour, how far, and you're texting, and I see it every day. Every day when I drive, I see it. They're driving down there. Sometimes they're going 60 and 70, and they're looking at their phone. And so at 40 miles an hour, you know, in one second, uh, you'll go about 117.33 feet, 117 feet. Uh, so, you know, um, two seconds, uh, I mean, two I seconds, that was 117 feet. One second is 58.6 feet. If you go three seconds at 40 miles an hour, you go over half a football field. Think about that. It's over 50 yards. You're driving down the road or somebody's driving down the road, and they're not even looking where they're going. And then, boom, it happens. So that's an impaired driver. That's what we're talking about today. That's our subject, impaired drivers. So, Brad, let's talk about... How do you prove this? How do you get the phone records? If you got an impaired driver and they're driving down the road, they go over 50 yards, uh, they slam into somebody, and then they say, well, I wasn't on my phone. What do you do? Well, there, there's a lot of uh, different angles you have to do and, and approach the case from when you're dealing with uh, impaired driving or when you're dealing with a crash. One of them is trying to determine if the person was impaired. Uh, I think every police officer is trained now to ask the person if they were on their phone. I know every adjuster is trained to ask them if they were on their phone or if they were texting. That's one of the key questions they're supposed to ask. Now, uh, I, it should surprise no one out there that's listening that these, these drivers a lot of times will lie. 
They'll go, no, we weren't on it. I wasn't on it. I wasn't doing that. And so the you can't just take them at face value. You have to make sure that you've checked into and you've confirmed whether or not there's been some impaired driving in the use of the phone. So how do you do it? You're going to have to get the phone records. And to get the phone records, you're going to have to know the phone number of the person. You're going to have to know their service. You're going to have to know who who provides their, their service for them. And you're going to have to get a hold of their phone records and their bill to help you and to let you know whether or not they were at least on that phone and whether or not they were using that phone at the time of the crash and whether they, they, that's part of the impaired driving. If they were texting, if they were using the phone, if they were on the phone, you should have a record of it. Right. You know, if people come in our office maybe sometimes a year after the accident. You should come in there sooner, uh, maybe a year and a half after the accident. And they say, oh, I think that person was texting. I think that person was on their, on their phone. And so sometimes it's too late. Sometimes the records are gone and, and you can't prove it. And then you're left with asking them if they're on their phone. But you can subpoena the records. There's a proper legal procedure to subpoena the records to figure out if they were texting. And most of the time they do not tell the truth. They lie about the fact that they were texting. You know, um, take it, take the speed, you know, at 50 miles an hour, two seconds, you're already past the half of a football field. You're already past 50 yards. And, and many people do it. So you got to be able to prove it. But why does it matter? As we discovered in the top of the show, it matters because it puts extra pressure on the insured to protect, I mean, the insurance company to protect their insured, their at-fault driver. Their job, their duty, their fiduciary duty is to protect that insured. And so, you know, Brad, let's talk about discovery. If you get into a case and you want to discover the phone records, you want to discover the times, um, and some judges limit it, some judges don't when you ask for the order, uh, but you can get the phone records. Yes, you can. Uh, my first suggestion to anybody dealing with this is to ask immediately to get a copy of the recorded statement that the insured gave to their own adjuster. If the insurance company says no, that they're not going to give that to you. Uh, my belief is that's your first sign that you should go get a lawyer right away. Um, don't, don't deal with them anymore because you know they're not going to be open and honest and fair in giving you the information you need to be able to determine the value of your claim. But at the same time, I guarantee you they're going to tell you that you need to fill out certain forms and you need to give them information so they can go through their forms so they, they can get all the information on you. So they, they've already told you they want to create a one-way street, information going to them but nothing going back. Sometimes, I'd say most of the time, the recorded statement or if they say, well, we didn't take a recorded statement, you want the, you want the summary of the statement, we'll, you'll see the question being asked. Well, were you on your cell phone? Were you texting? Were you doing any of these things? Now, now uh, uh, rarely, but every now and then, it's gonna, the, the insured will say, oh, yeah, I was. And you'll have that information. If you don't have it, if you get the recorded statement and the person didn't ask the question or if it's not on, the uh, or if the person denied saying it and they said no no we we I wasn't on my phone I wasn't texting I wasn't using anything I wasn't doing anything then the next question you need to do is ask the adjuster give me your insured's cell phone number and say I'd like to see a copy of their bill please give me the bill they got for the time period of the crash and if they say well that contains a lot of information and a lot of personal information and a lot of confidential phone numbers say i'll tell you what you can black out everything except during the accident give me the hour before and the hour after and tell me and let me see the bill for that time period so i can see whether or not they were on their phone during the crash
Right, and sometimes they say they weren't on the phone, and we proved that they were on the phone. That's a big leverage for you if you've been injured because the insurance company has to try to protect their at-fault driver, and if there's if there's a possibility of punitive damages or possibility of this impaired driving situation by texting, remember there's other ways to be impaired. We're going to cover those in the show. But impaired by texting, uh, then that's a, that's a good advantage and a legal advantage and a proper advantage for the injured victim because that's exactly what happened in the crash. Uh, so you need to get the phone records. So, and Brad just said one of the magical words. Many times it, it, when you ask them, you talk to the adjuster, you say, can I have the your person's uh, phone records or phone number? And they say, no, we can't give it out. That should be an alarm going off in your head right now. It's a freight train coming at you because if they're not going to give it to you, they're going to start fighting this from the very beginning. So they say, we're not going to give you that information, but we want a lot of information from you. So many times you have to you have to file a lawsuit, and when you do, the insurance company say, "Oh, you're greedy. You filed a lawsuit, but they won't give you the information." And that's the way we break it down, and that's what really happens. So, Brad, when you file a lawsuit or you get involved in a legal proceeding with regard to somebody's injuries and damages, you ask in discovery once again for the phone records, and what do you usually get? You usually get a no. We're not going to give them to you. Uh, that's not. Uh, we we told you they weren't they weren't on their phone. It's not relevant. It, it has nothing to do with the case because we already told you they weren't using their phone. We already told you they weren't texting. We already told you that wasn't going on, so there's no reason for you to get their phone. That's an unnecessary procedure. Uh, most courts will support the fact that you have the, 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 the right, and for the lawyer, I think even the duty, but you have the right to check it out yourself, to look yourself, to make sure that the person's telling the truth. There's a lot of motive for a person to lie when they're talking about what they were doing immediately prior to a crash occurring. And it can run a number of different ways, but there's a lot of motive. So when you're dealing with that motive, when you're dealing with those potential lies, when you're dealing with the fact a person might not be telling the truth, and the only way you can determine that is by getting the cell phone records, you need to get to court and you need to ask the judge, would you please enter an order that I can get this? Uh, a lot of times, you know, you're going to be saying, tell the insured themselves or the, the at-fault party to turn over their, their records. A lot of times they're going to say, I don't have those anymore. So the next step you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go to the, uh, to the provider, um, AT&T, Comcast, whoever it might be, you know, Verizon, Verizon any of them. And you're going to have to go to them and you're going to say, give me the phone, give me the phone records and you'll subpoena it and they'll produce the records for you. And what's going to normally happen is, is the the attorney representing the at fault party is going to say, "I want to see those first, so they can do some kind of redaction and they can black out phone numbers that they don't think you should have and information they don't think you should have." But the one thing they can't get rid of is what happened uh, for, let's say, the hour, hour and a half prior to the crash, uh, the time period during the crash, and the hour to hour and a half after the crash. And you want to be able to have that so you can, because a lot of times the, t- the time of the crash is not specific. It's not definite. And so you want to have that information. But you can narrow it down. You can home in on it, okay? So let's just flip this for a second. You know, the insurance company always wants your medical records, right? They want it for 10 years or your whole lifetime. Why? Because you say to them, well, I injured my low back in this accident. And they say, did you ever have a preexisting low back condition? And you go, no. And in essence, they say, we don't believe you. We want to see your records. We want to see your medical records. So you give us, the insurance company, your medical records. But they won't give you the records because they say, believe us. Believe me. The at-fault driver was not on the phone. Just believe me. It's no big deal. 
Well, they don't want to give you the records, but they want the records. If you want to contact us anytime, our telephone number is 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. If you want any of our books, they're free. Just go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. We have a new book coming out. It's going to be out next week. It's going to be it's entitled Car Insurance in Colorado. It's the definitive essential guide on car insurance. You want to know about car insurance? Get a copy of our book. It's free. You can call us our, at our law firm, 303-795-5900, and get a copy of our book. Or you can go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. Next up, you got impaired drivers. And, and we're not through talking about impaired drivers, but you got impaired drivers impaired by texting. We're talking about that particular example right now. What difference does it make? We're going to break down the duties of the insurance company, how it, how it matters, why it matters, and how they try to protect their insured and how they try to hide these records. Bell and Pollock, Champions of the People, will be right back. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back to the Bell and Pollock Legal Show. This is an injury show. Champions of the People. That's what we are. We have championed people's cases for over 35 years, put our experience to work for you. Our telephone number, 303-795-5900, and you go to our website anytime at championsofthepeople.com. All of our books are there. We have written five books. We've written them on hit and run. We call it Cowards of the Street because they are. We've written a book called Don't Get Hurt in the Same Accident Twice, once in the accident and again on the insurance claim. We have a book on workers' compensation if you've been injured on the job. And now we have a new book. It's being published right now. It'll be available next week, I think Thursday of the upcoming week. The essential guide is called Car Insurance in Colorado. Anything you wanted to know about car insurance, our book is there. It's free. And in the back of the book, we have definitive examples with narrative explaining to you what the coverages mean in easy-to-understand language. Why do we do all this? So to give you the information, that's why we do the show. That's why we've been doing these shows for years. We're, we're new to KOA, but we've been doing the show, these shows for a long, long time. And people like the information. Information is empowering. If you want a free initial, a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan, you can come see us at Bell & Pollock, Champions of the People, 303-795-795. 5,900. Right before the break, we were talking about the fact you suspect somebody is texting on their on their phone, and I told you what the distances were if you're going 40 miles an hour or 50 miles an hour. At 50 miles an hour, in two seconds, you cover half a football field or, or more than half of a football field without looking where you're going. Boom! It happens. Now you got maybe surgery, maybe neck surgery, maybe low back surgery, maybe uh, conservative modalities of treatment, maybe physical therapy, maybe it's a year later. And you want to know if this person was on their phone and how do you prove it? And they are impaired when they do this. Now, Brad, let's break down for everybody how the insurance company works. I don't think this, this is known very much. Insurance companies that insure the at-fault driver 
They have fiduciary duties to that fault for, at fault driver. They have no duty to you, the injured victim. They're there to protect the at fault driver, so they're going to pay for any settlement. They're going to hire the attorneys for the for the at fault driver and pay for them. They're going to pay for any settlement, so they don't want these phone records to come out and be discovered. Well, they, they don't want anything to come out that might show responsibility or liability, and they're that, and they're very good at, at making sure that they hide as much as possible. Uh, they do have the reporting requirements within their own company that they need to be able to get to people to say, uh, here's what happened and we need to uh, address this issue. Um, so they do face a potential problem if they don't put everything they're supposed to uh, put into the, um, the, the log uh, but they won't give you the log. When you do get the log, they'll redact out or black out as much of the log as possible. They're not going to give you the information concerning their at-fault driver being negligent or their at-fault party not paying attention. Uh, I, I truly believe a number of these adjusters have, uh, have been taught that be careful what you put in that log because it might be discoverable or put it in certain spots where we know we can we can try to redact it. Uh, they want to make sure they're not giving you the information that's going to get their insured uh, in in more hot water, so to speak, as far as what they're doing. And one of those is always is always whether or not they were on their cell phone or whether or not they had other some kind of other distraction going on. They don't want to tell you what the situation is. You have to discover the cell phones and you ha- records, and you have to get after it. So, I mean, the sooner you go see an attorney, the, the quicker the procedures are going to be put in place to ask for and discover the phone records. Sometimes uh, in our law firm, we issue what's called a spoilation letter. If you come to us and you say, I think that person was texting. I know they were. Uh, and so we issue a letter uh, to the person themselves and to the insurance company for the at-fault party saying, do not get rid of or destroy any evidence. Keep and preserve. Do not spoil. In essence, it's called a spoilation letter. Do not spoil the evidence and get rid of it or, 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 or throw it away or destroy it or alter it. And this can be used to your advantage big time uh, with regard to your injury claim, but you must do it. And you must do it early as possible so they don't destroy the records. You can all, always try to subpoena the records from the, the carrier like AT&T, like Verizon, etc., Comcast. You can subpoena the records. And then they, they get the phone calls, as you know, right down to the minute. So, But, Brad, why does it matter to the insurance company? Because they're going to fight you on liability. They're going to say this accident was just an ordinary, well, it was an accident, it was no big deal. But when you have phone records, it takes it out of this little norm, this little model that they've built up in their minds and the model is, well, it's just an accident, no big deal. But when you're texting, then they understand that they could lose the case. Uh, they can lose on ordinary negligence, and that, that's a subject for another day. But they they know that this is an extra extra uh, item that the injured person can use to uh, claim liability and prove liability, and that's why it's so important. Well, it, it, this is, again, where we come to the point where we try and tell you that the insurance company is not really – there for you. Uh, you think they're there for you, start thinking again. And I hate to say it that simple, but you say, oh, they're going to protect me. They're taking care of my case. They're making sure I don't have to pay anything extra. Well, the insurance company doesn't want to release this information because the insurance company knows the minute that information gets into your hands, the injured person's hands, and the minute they understand that information gets into the attorney's hands, the case has a different value. Because now the case is going to have a value of top dollar because the distracted driving adds another element to potential responsibility by the at-fault driver. 
and the at-fault driver has to face the tune of the fact that they were um, distracted driving. And now the at-fault party, uh, the driver themselves, should be, he or she should be looking at the insurance company saying, first of all, tell the truth. Second of all, that I bought my insurance for you to pay. Go pay the person that I hurt. Go pay the person as a result of my negligence and as part of my distractions. The insurance company, on the other hand, would like to keep that from coming in because they know every time an element of information comes into the hands of the other side, the injured party, that helps to prove and, and, and determine damages and determine liability and the reason why the crash occurred, they know that's going to cost them money. And they don't want to have to pay more money. So the insurance company is looking out for itself to try to avoid having this information come in because it knows that once it comes in, the, its negotiating power is diminished. And it will do uh, go to great lengths to avoid losing that negotiating power. Right. And we're just talking about one little small subject on how you prove liability. And normally you need uh, attorneys to navigate this insurance maze. You know, on our Saturday morning show, that's a live call-in show on any legal subject, many times we tell people you don't need an attorney. Uh, you can go to small claims court or we'll help you or we'll talk you through that procedure. And you can go do this yourself. You don't need an attorney. When we say you need an attorney, you need one. This is where you need one. They have their own strategies. You know, many times these insurance companies, this is this is just an ordinary day for them. Ordinary day and event, you have an accident, but it's not an ordinary day and event for you. It's anything but. You need to have the information and knowledge. You don't want to go through this guessing or speculating or trying or hoping or thinking somebody's going to be fair to you or thinking surely you were the victim and surely somebody's going to pay you. You don't want that to happen. You want a strategy. You can get one at Bell and Pollock. You can come into our law firm. We'll give you a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan. You know what? We think the legal game plan is so important, we wrote a book on it. That's one of our five books that you can get for free. Legal game plan. What do you do? What's your strategy? And it should be designed towards you. How were you injured? Were you T-boned? Were you rear-ended? You know, are they going to deny liability? Was there phone records we need to go after? That's part of the legal game plan. What were your injuries? Are you going to have to have surgery or not? Different game plan. Were you hit by a drunk driver or not? Different game plan. You have to have a legal game plan. And you get our book free, championsofthepeople.com. All right, Brad, we're talking about impaired driving. Right now we're talking about texting. Uh, coming later in the show, we're going to be talking about prescription drugs, impaired driving, drunk driving, and, and that sort of thing. But impaired driving, they, they don't want to see it. They don't want to produce the records. They want to fight it because they know it takes it out of the ordinary model that they have it and and it upsets that model and it puts them in a more vulnerable position but the insurance company for the outfall party brad is supposed to try to protect the the outfall party let's just talk a little bit about the fact that many times these insurers that rear in somebody they just want they don't want to go to court they don't want to be sued but they don't make the decision. Who makes the decision, Brad? Who ma- who controls all the money? Who makes the decision where they're going to pay $1, no dollars, or a lot of dollars? Well, once again, that's a situation you have to deal with um, with the insurance company. Uh, adjusters love to give you that comment. You ask for information from the adjuster, and the adjuster goes, I'll have to get permission from my insured to give it to you. And you're going, no, you don't. And you're not getting permission. What you're doing is calling up the insured and saying, I don't want to give this to them. Let's not give it to them, if they're calling you at all in saying, let's not give the information. 
the, the idea that they're not going to give information because they're getting permission from the insured and the insured won't give them the permission. Uh, sit th- sitting there right now, if you ran into somebody, if you caused a crash, anybody listening, if you caused a crash, and the, the basic information that the, the, uh, the person wants on their side was there. They start saying, give me the information as far as what the what kind of insurance do they have and how much insurance do they have and, and were they doing these different things. You're not going to be telling the adjuster don't do it unless the adjuster tells you don't give it to them. And when the adjuster says don't give it to them, then you're not going to get the information and you're, you're going to say, okay, don't give them the information, and they're not going to give it to the injured party, and they're going to suck you right into a lawsuit because the attorney on the other side has nothing more they can do at that point than file the lawsuit, and once they file the lawsuit, they're going to get the information. So really, do you ever have – can you imagine if the adjuster says, well, I don't think we should give it to them, but that means you're going to get a lawsuit, you're going to be served a, a summons complaint, you're going to have – Potentially your own assets at risk. You're going to have to go to court. You're going to have to take time off work to deal with the accident and the crash. You're going to have to admit responsibility. You're going to have to go to depositions. You're going to have to be involved in all this. Why? Because I'm telling you not to give information they'll get just as soon as they file the lawsuit. But the point of the matter is, is the at-fault person insurance company makes those decisions. Many times at-fault people think, well, just pay them. That's what I bought insurance for. Pay them a fair amount. And, and I don't want to go to court. I don't want to be sued. Pay them a fair amount, but the insurance company, understand this, the insurance company for that fault party decides if they're going to pay $1, no dollars, anything, or fight it. The, in, the, the at fault party makes none of those decisions, can't control those decisions, can't control them. They don't want to be sued. They don't want to have their deposition taken. Give them the phone records. Give them the information and pay them, pay them a fair amount. What did I buy car insurance for? That's exactly how this works. The insurance company for the outfall party hires the outfall party's lawyer, pays for the lawyer, pays for any settlement, pays for any judgment, makes them go to trial, makes the plaintiff's attorney file a lawsuit, and then they say, ah, the injured person's greedy. The injured person lawyers are greedy. When they don't tell you, the insurance company made them file the lawsuit to begin with. Next up, can you be impaired by prescription drugs? Can you be impaired by being drunk? You know the answer to that one, but what about prescription drugs? Bell and Pollock, champions of the people. We'll be right back. When a driver chooses to violate a safety rule, everyone on the road is in danger. That means you, me, everyone. Driving and dangerous choices. Think about it. The only allowable choice is the safest choice. Otherwise, you and your family are put at risk, in harm's way. This is really what car crashes are all about. One driver makes a choice that violates a safety rule. Everyone else is needlessly put in danger. In danger of injury, medical bills, surgery, lost jobs, quality of life changes, and future expenses. All it takes is one driver and one dangerous choice. I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell & Pollock. We've been representing injured victims for over 25 years. We can help you put your life back together again. We'll fight the insurance company who defends those who injure you and your family, those who make dangerous choices. At Bell & Pollock, we are experienced injury attorneys who care about you and your family. Reach us at bellpollock.com or championsofthepeople.com or call us at 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. One call, that's all. 
When you've been injured in a car crash, you're up against large insurance companies and their lawyers. You need experienced attorneys on your side. I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell & Pollock. We've been representing injured victims just like you for over 25 years. We can help put your life back together again. Sometimes the strongest thing you can do is ask for help. Bell & Pollock, Colorado's premier injury law firm. Find us at championsofthepeople.com. That's championsofthepeople.com. We'll help you. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Here we go. The Bell and Pollock Injury Show. We are injury attorneys. Don't forget on Saturday morning at 7 o'clock on KHOW, Sister Station, we do our live call-in show as a community service. Hour long, we answer people's questions on any legal subject. It doesn't matter if it's a state work, your dog got loose, something the neighbor wants to tree cut down, somebody wants a restraining order. We've been doing that show for years, and we're glad to do it to help people. Many times we tell people, you don't really need an attorney, but here's what you need to do. On this show, this is an injury show. We give you the information each week to teach you and educate you, to try to give you a level playing field with the insurance company who's trying to beat your injury claim. Say you haven't worked for four months or you've worked part-time for four months. You've lost wages. You have medical bills of $50,000, and they won't play ball with you, and they have strategies to beat you. You better know what those are in advance. If you come to see us... Bell and Pollock will give you a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan tailored to your accident and your injuries. It doesn't get any better than that. Phone number 303-795-5900-795-5900. And our website, you couldn't forget it if you tried, championsofthepeople.com. All right, right before the break, we said, what can you be impaired on prescription drugs? Brad, this gets even tougher, but we've done it. We've done it many times, and it's very, very important because if you've got an at-fault driver that is either abusing, misusing, or not complying with prescription drugs, or they shouldn't even be driving, can that affect the liability? Can that affect the recovery? And how do you go about doing all that? Now, that that's an even bigger story, uh, really, when you get into it, because prescription drugs run both ways. You can have the prescription drug that you're taking, and a lot of times it'll say don't drive or don't operate heavy machinery. It should be a clue. Uh, sometimes it doesn't say that. Uh, you have to know what the combination of the prescription drugs are, and that's where the is the person who's driving this getting this medical care, do they have a caretaker, someone who is coordinating all the prescription drugs they're taking, or is the person not taking a prescription drug that they've been taking or they should have been taking, and and because they're coming off of it, is it distracting or making them unable to operate a vehicle carefully? Or are, should they be taking it and they're not, and therefore the condition itself is causing a problem? So prescription drugs are very important to know whether or not the driver who caused the crash, were they subject to, were they under prescription for prescription drugs? And if they were under prescription for it, then you, you know you're left with having to get and, and find out and go to the pharmacies where they've been getting their drugs. 
to be able to identify how often they're getting their drugs. Do they have enough on board? Have they been using them on the right right schedule? You know, a lot of times, and this is one of the few places where you might be able to get the at-fault driver's medical records to be able to determine and see what the doctors have told them about the prescription drugs. Yeah, normally the at-fault driver's medical records are not uh, discoverable. You can't discover them. But in some instances you can, and we have done it. And we've done it numerous times. And you think these insurance companies who insure these at-fault drivers and pay for the attorneys who represent them and pay for settlements, you think they fight the phone records and the texting records? You should see what they do with regard if you want the the uh, medical records of the at-fault driver, because they might be abusing. You know, they might be abusing drugs. You know, classic is a diabetic. They're a non-compliant diabetic. They cause an accident. Cause an accident. I could tell you stories that would turn up the hair on the back of your neck about drivers that have driven miles on I-25 and C-470, and they don't even remember it. They have, in essence, they're driving, but they they have a diabetic event, a syncope episode, possibly, and they say they don't remember it. Driving through school zones. And so sometimes you can get the medical records. But, Brad, you know, an interesting point in this area is everybody goes, well, you know, if you're drunk driving, that you're impaired. That's, I got that. I understand that. Uh, right. And, of course, that's a whole lot of nuances to that. But if you're drunk driving, there's a statute and there's scientific evidence that says, says and in Colorado, if you you know, 0.08, then you're, you're, you're impaired and you reach a certain level. But think about this. With prescription drugs, right, prescription drugs, there's no statutory level. I mean, if you're taking Xanax or Valium or Vicodin, right, oxycodone, there's no level. So how do you know you're impaired? How do you how do you prove they're impaired? And by the way, Brad, they always say, well, I wasn't taking the drug anyway. I mean, I have a prescription for it, but I wasn't taking the drug. But how do you prove this? Because there's no level like there is on DUI. Well, th- this is a big issue because what you're dealing with is you're having to be able to prove that they were under some kind of influence. Uh, it's important that if you have even the slightest thought, even the slightest belief when you're talking to the person after the crash, that they're not acting in a, in a regular way, in a regular, normal manner that you would expect to encounter somebody, then you need to get that information to the police officer immediately. Um, Gary mentioned a number of drugs, and we all know the, the, the key drug that is very, very hard to detect and know whether or not we have a problem is marijuana. And when we're dealing with those drugs, it's very difficult to be able to tell whether or not they're under any kind of influence. And that's what you're talking about. Are they distracted? Is there, have their abilities been impaired? And you need to get, point this out to the police officer if you think it's there. You need to be very aware of it and watching it. We as attorneys will try to get that information. Uh, a lot of the information we will get. Some of the information, when I say we'll try to get it, it's because we're sometimes having to chase down information that is going to be subject to a lot of discretion as far as whether or not people want to tell us in ways we can't prove it. They met, they had the drug. They were told they uh, to use the drug. Or the drug was available to them, and they were told to use it on an as-needed basis. How do we prove they took it? How do we prove it's in their system? By the time the case gets to us it's too late to take any kind of blood test. Even if everybody's been gone to the hospital and they've had blood tests taken, unless you can give the doctor some idea of what to screen for, they can screen for blood for, for the, the, the blood for different concerns the doctor has, but you may never have them being screened for any of the drugs that we're talking about 
or any of the medications they might have been taking or to screen for even illegal drugs, if they didn't screen for them, if they didn't specifically test for them, they're not going to come up on a blood test. Okay, but so you just give up? There's ways to prove this. No, you don't just give up. I mean, that's one avenue of way to prove it, but if you can't do that, you got to do other avenues. That's why we say you you need to go to an attorney, and you need to go to attorneys that know what they're doing and have the experience to prove it. Bell and Pollock, call us anytime, 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. Or go to our website. Our website is designed with you in mind. It is loaded with information. All of our books are there. Our podcasts are there. Our legal shows are there. The KHOW show is there. This KOA show is here. All our other injury shows are there. You want to know about neck injuries, back injuries, surveillance? We cover it all. And we're glad to do it, and we're going to do it for you right here. Thank you for tuning in. The Bell and Pollock Injury Show. Now, you're dealing with these prescription drugs, Brad. They say, I, I, it's too late. You know, there was no test. There was no talk screen. Maybe they went to the ER. Maybe you get to the ER records finally of the at-fault driver after a huge fight. And there's nothing there. There's no uh, toxicology screen. You can't prove it. And they say, well, I, yes, I have a prescription for Valium. Yes, I have a prescription for Vicodin. Yes, I have a prescription for Percocet. I even take sleeping medication. I take NyQuil. I take as needed. But I wasn't taking it at the time of this crash. I was not taking it. So... You can get their pharmacy records. It's a fight, but that's where you head and why. Sure. You want to get the pharmacy records to see how they've been f- uh, filling the prescriptions. Have they been doing it on a regular basis that would indicate that this person is not telling you the truth. You want to see if you can get whatever information you can to see if they're regular with their medications. And if this is something where, once again, we can take their character and we can take their habit and we can take what they usually do and how they carry out their lives to say, look. That, you know, to save on this day, this is the one day out of all the days in the past that you didn't take one, the prescription medication, that's going to be hard, hard pressed for a, a jury to believe them. And a lot of times what you're doing is you're putting the information before a jury to let the jury decide whether or not they want to believe the person when they start saying, this is the routine I had. This is the sleep I had before the crash. These are the drugs I didn't have before the crash. These are the drugs I did have before the crash. A lot of times you've got to establish the pattern of the at-fault driver so you can show the pattern and let the let the jury then decide whether or not that pattern fits what the at-fault driver is saying. Right, and you need to discover this. You don't always win these, but you must go after it. You must try to find it out, uh, especially if there's a huge crash and there's serious injuries. You need to know what this at-fault driver was doing. And, you know, and I hate to use this example, but I'm going to, uh, you know, in the in the Timothy McVeigh bombing case a long time ago, he never got up and admitted he did this. So the drive the outfall driver doesn't admit they were taking Vicodin or oxycodone. They don't admit it. So how, how did the prosecutors in that case prove it? They proved it through circumstantial evidence. He bought the fertilizer here. He bought the, he bought the ele- ele- electrical charges here circumstantial evidence so think about this if you have an outfall driver that says nope i yes i have prescription for valium i have a prescription for xanax but nope i wasn't taking it and if their pharmacy records show that two weeks before the accident they filled the prescription for all of these one or more maybe four of them and that for two weeks after the accident uh, they fill the prescription again what do you think circumstantial evidence they say i wasn't taking it but you used up your prescription. It's prescribed that you take it every day. And you fill the prescription before and you fill the prescription afterwards. Circumstantial evidence. 
Gary Bell, Brad Pollock, we have over 35 years of experience. If you've been injured, you can give us a call at 303-795-5900-795-5900 or go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. It's an information-loaded website. All of our books are there. We have a new book coming out on car insurance in Colorado. You're going to want to get a copy of it. We're so glad to do this show. We'll see you next week. We are your champions of the people.